the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. I feel like we should uh, open this podcast, Ryan, by uh, waiting half an hour. It was only fitting. So, I mean, could you, could you think of a more NHL way? I mean, aside from that, everything actually went relatively smoothly with the reveal today. But to go and have for at least weeks now, they've announced that they're going to have the expansion lists out at 10 a.m. Eastern on Sunday morning. And then at, I guess, what would be 9.59 and 45 seconds, NHLPR tweets out that the list isn't going to come out till 10.30. Maybe uh, maybe George McPhee uh, missed his first alarm, hit the snooze button. It's early out in Vegas. It is early. It would have been a 7 a.m. for them, but I think uh, it's got to be something in NHL Central Registry because the, the way I'd love to, I don't know how we're going to find out exactly what caused it or if we ever will, but it's got to be something in NHL Central Registry. Maybe there was a quick thing they had to clarify with the NHLPA on a guy. I don't know, but like, the fact was you saw like even the teams where everyone was tweeting and like, oh, we're 10 minutes away and that's like at 9.50. So everyone in the hockey world was ready for this list to come out at 10 o'clock, except 10 o'clock uh, Eastern and 9 o'clock Central here and where we are, where I'm in Texas. Everyone was ready for it at that time and the scheduled time except for the NHL. Yeah, well, so goes. <laughs> you kind of hit the nail on the head, kind of the most NHL thing that they could do. But, you know. We know now, at least. Yeah. Um, other than that, it went relatively smoothly. The lists came out. Um, for me, one of the... Uh, for me, it was kind of interesting to see. There were so many teams that... You saw a bunch of reporters start to report lists at like 10, 20, 10, 15. Who you basically... And how that probably worked is basically... You had enough team sources who basically said, well, screw it. I'm giving this, I'm giving this information now. And so all of a sudden at 10, 15, 10, 20, you saw a bunch of teams, which players were protected, which ones weren't protected. started coming out at 10, 15, started leaking at 10, 15, 10, 20, because, uh, you could tell basically people's sources said, well, you know what? Screw it. If they're not going to announce in a 10, 10, just here it is now. Yeah. I, I feel like, I think, I think Bob's, I don't remember what time it was, but Bob Stern tweeted before the list came out. He's like, I can confirm that this is the Dallas one now. And I'm like, wait, is this actually a thing? It, I, it might've been before 10 o'clock. I don't remember. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really plugged into anything this morning. I was just kind of merely existing. Yeah. I think Bob might've been the first person to have it live or, and, and basically say that was the official list on Twitter. Um, it was, uh, for a uh, lack for basically, it was the list we all expected it to be for the last week now. It's obviously not the list we expected a year ago or before the season started, but you and I broke it down last week uh, when we when we previewed the expansion draft and, and things like this, that this was what we expected. It was the notable forward available is Cody Eakin, the notable defender available basically eventually, and you and I had said it was gonna, we would protect Steven Johns, and basically it came down to Dan Hamhuis was the notable defender available, Jamie Alexiak and Patrick Nemeth and all the others are also available. Basically, the two notable players that if you're Vegas and you're looking at taking a guy, it's probably Cody Eakin and, uh, and Dan Hamhuis who are available, and we kind of expected that. Um, I, I was, it was, I don't want to use the word funny because I just started getting frustrated um, I feel like I've been saying for a year now, not only on this podcast, but also in writing, that Valerie Nachushkin was going to be protected. I mean, that was something that has been kind of well documented, and not just by me. I mean, Mike Heiko from the Morning News, Mark Stepneski from the Stars website, whenever he chimes in on things, he's con- he's talked about why Nachushkin would be uh, protected. And so I was... the the frustrating and funny and whatever surprised me was the amount of reaction I saw to why the heck are we protecting Chushkin? I feel like it's been well known that that was going to happen just for, I mean, I, I mean, I knew, but it, it's one of those things where I just felt like we've made it pretty clear that Nachushkin was going to be an asset. The stars were going to protect in this draft. I think it's funny that you call that funny 
because I saw all that shit today and I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, I guess we can tell the people who don't pay attention to anything or haven't been paying attention to anything for the last year because you're right. It's something. And I mean, I guess it's a little bit different from where we're sitting because we've been doing this aside from the last couple of months. We've been doing this on a week to week basis. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot, especially this year, that Val's not good. They're not going to give up a 21-year-old, 22-year-old former top 10 pick for nothing. And it it was <laughs> frustrating. I, I don't even know if it was frustrating. It was more so infuriating. than it. They weren't even directed at me, and I'm sitting there reading them, and I'm like, I can't even imagine what, you're, what is going through your head right now because after the fifth one I answered, I would have put out in all caps, he's not going anywhere. Where did I... I, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to cut down on my use of profanity, so I'm not going to say what was actually going through my head. It was, uh, I use the word funny because I try and uh, I'm trying to smooth over, but it does, I can say it does get frustrating when we've answered, I've answered the same questions about will can be protected for six months at least now. Um, just to, to one last time to say why, Nachushkin is 22 years old. He is the... By my definition, he's the star's top prospect. I know some people might say he's not a prospect because he's technically played in the NHL, but by my definition, he's basically a prospect playing in Europe. That's that's how I define Val Nachushkin, and I would and I would I would defend that. And so he he's he's their best prospect in my mind, and that's mainly because I consider Julius Honka an NHL player now. If Julius Honka hadn't graduated and wasn't in my mind an NHL player, Julius Honka would be their top prospect. But either way, Val is their best prospect right now. Um, He's the stars have his rights till he's 27. He would have easily he would have been snapped up in a heartbeat. And I wrote this today. He may not be back this season, um, but I and I'm not going to say 100 percent because if I say 100 percent and he doesn't come back, I'm going to have someone who's going to dig this up and they're I'm going to get blasted for saying 100 percent. But I would bet good money that he will be part of this team in the 2018-19 season. The 2017-18 season is still up in the air. There's just way too many moving parts. Um, it's possible. The Stars know how to get guys out of KHL contracts. They did it with Dennis Garionov. It's, so it's very possible. It also comes down to the player. It also comes down to there's the factor of what type of pressure he feels from that that team because he could have one of two things. He could have that KHL team over there um, pushing him to stay, or he could have the opposite, the KHL uh, uh, salary cap is about to go down and he makes quite a bit of money over there and he's uh and not because he he plays for a team one of the teams that is uh that is essentially state run um so it's not that they don't have money but they're ca- with the salary cap going down and he's a high salary player he could basically be forced out um so that's another factor so there's just too many moving parts to put a definitive yes no on whether he'll be part of the stars this coming fall i would however if i were in jim nil shoes I would keep about $3 million in cap space, and I'm not saying Val gets $3 million, but I just to be safe, I would keep $3 million in cap space um, and be around $71.5 million under the $75 million cap heading into the season just in case he becomes a late addition. But that's, I can't say 100% certainty he'll play with the Stars ever again because I don't want to say 100%, but he will play with the Stars again, and I basically just rebuked everything I said in the last 12 seconds, but whatever. I, you brought up the state-run team thing, and that kind of ruined my point, which was going to be, or he could just have a situation where his the owners of his team go bankrupt, and then a new owner takes over after the players haven't been paid for six months, and then the new owner says, screw you guys, that's not my problem, I'm not paying you, and then the entire team goes on strike, which is what happened with one of the Moscow teams. So, if, so that's just not like a random scenario I just made up in my head. It, 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 I, I'm assuming most people listening to this aren't, not that I'm like a avid follower of the KHL, but that's just something I happened to come across on Twitter today. Well, that's uh, I mean I, I I may have shared this story on the podcast before. Um, if if not, I'll I'll share it real quick. But it's is it about I, the guy who got like ten thousand yeah, dollars in an envelope? Yeah, did I share this story on the podcast or was yeah, this just... it was a couple weeks ago? I'm pretty sure. I, I, so either way, the Spark Notes version of that, a, a player who uh, I covered in the AHL. Um, his friend was a goalie who played in the KHL and then basically did not get paid. His, uh, the owner of the team decided to change what his salary was, he tried to file a grievance, 
And his agent basically told him, yeah, you're never seeing that money again. And he thought he never would. But then roughly, uh, it's the middle of the summer, so probably the middle of July. He's up in, uh, in, the, in Western Canada. And uh, an envelope arrives with about 10,000 uh, 10, Russian uh, it's rubles, right? Is that what they, they have now? Or? Yes. Yes, basically 10,000 rubles in an envelope, just unmarked, just to him. Not even like an invoice or anything, just... <laughs> So that's a look into that's a positive story actually about finances in the KHL. Most guys all of a sudden just see their uh, balance get emptied and things to like that. To be fair, ten thousand Russian rubles is only one hundred and seventy three U.S. dollars. So oh, sorry, it was the equivalent to ten thousand U.S. dollars in rubles. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. if, if someone sent me one hundred and seventy three dollars right now, I would be eternally grateful because I don't have a source of income and it sucks. But if I just, if I was, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but so it was to, to, it was ten thousand American dollars, but it was in rubles, basically. So a lot of rubles. <laughs> uh, that would be a good a good kids book. A lot of rubles. A lot of rubles. So what did uh, real quick for Dallas? The protections were the ones we predicted, the ones we talked about last week. The forwards were Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, Jason Spezza, Radek Foxa, Brett Ritchie, Val Nachushkin, and Antoine Roussel. Uh, the defenders were John Klingberg, Essa Lindell, and uh, Stephen Johns, and the goalie was obviously Ben Bishop. Any uh, either immediate, Ryan, or now it's been a, the list has been out for roughly 12 hours now. Did you have any reaction that surprised you at all about the list? Like... Were you yeah, actually I surprised? did. I was yeah. surprised that Jim Nell listens to this podcast. Evidently, based on his selections, because you're right, this is, this is exactly the list that we uh, concocted on this last week. And I think <clears throat> maybe it w- it's, was years of crappy GMing before Jim Nell that made me apprehensive that he would do something that I deemed idiotic, which who gives a crap about my opinion because clearly if I knew what I was talking about, I would be doing something other than what I'm doing right now. But I think I was more so surprised about the fact that there was no surprises. It was a very, a a boring reveal from a star's perspective almost, but that's good. It was, there was nothing that caught anyone off guard. I think that for really most of the last five, six months, that was kind of the list that people were, kind of starting to make their way towards and definitely since the end of the regular season I feel like at least at forward that was the list that people were that was for the most part among people who were kind of I I would say most people but based on the amount of Nachushkin questions you got today I can't say most people I should say the that most people that follow the team closely had kind of come to at least from a forward perspective and I think that I mean, you could have gone either way on Johns and Alexiak, and I'm not sure that we'd ever get an answer from Jim Nill as why they went one way over the other, but I, it was kind of a coin flip, and if they went Alexiak over Johns, I wouldn't have been mad either, but I, I think that was the biggest surprise, was that there was no surprises. Yeah, and on defense, I had a uh, conversation with Jim about a week and a half before the expansion draft, um, and at that time... He had, I'd asked him just, and he, and he, he, the stars do a very good job of containing leaks and he does a very good job of containing information and, and bit, and the most he had given me about his defense was as he looked at his defenders, he had a grading system. Basically he had a grading system that he was going, that they were going to use and figure out how they were going to protect the players. He wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me what that system was. He wouldn't tell me. If it was actually a system, it could have been complete BS. It could have the system could have been just well, what does Jim think? But basically, he said he was going to basically look at those defenders and the ones that he felt were the best asset for making his team the best team it could possibly be for next season, the year after, and in the future. And that's and I agree with what they and, and that's why I agree that with keeping Stephen Johns. We talked about this last week. We talked about right-handed pit, right-handed defensemen being like left-handed pitchers in baseball, and it's it's an asset to have Johns there. That I I, I agree with it. We don't need to be we're, we don't need to pick apart the expansion protections right now, which is 
frankly, something we thought we might have had to do <laughs> before this list came out. We thought we might have had to have a podcast to talk about and and nitpick a little bit. And there's no nitpicking from us today. Now, the only nitpicking, or, or not even nitpicking, just the big curiosity right now is, do the stars have any side deals? Because did, did, have they worked anything out with Vegas? Is there anything to protect a... Uh, to protect, to protect an extra defenseman? Is there something to protect Cody Eakin? I don't think there is. Is there is there something where, is there a deal in place where Jim Nill wants a, another player exposed? And that's kind of the maddening, most maddening thing about this because the NHL won't let anyone announce them um, until Wednesday night, which just makes it everything even more such a mystery. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I'm not even as kind of like looking forward to, I mean, obviously I'm looking forward to see if there's any side deals that Dallas made, but I don't think that there's really, it, it's not like there's pressing questions with it. Like there would be with other teams. Like, I think that I, the, the thought of potentially losing Dan Hamhuis to Vegas wasn't something that even crossed my mind, honestly, until last week when we talked about it. So it, it'll be interesting to see if there's something like that, or if there was a side deal where say Jim Nail gives up 39 overall to, Vegas to say, hey, can you take one of our goalies from us? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm more so interested to see from the grand scheme of things because there really wasn't a lot of movement that happened mm-hmm. leading up to this. There was Montreal making an incredibly interesting series of moves to get Jonathan Drew in and then give up Nathan Beaulieu for a sack of baseballs, basically. Third round, I mean, a third round pick is value, but mm-hmm. I saw the tweet I saw that cracked me up. On a, I don't remember if it was Friday or Saturday night, was that it seems to be an, a, an incredibly impressive arc that Mark Bergevin has of acquiring valuable assets and then driving their value into the ground and trading them when they're at their absolute lowest. That made me laugh. But um, I feel like I had a train of thought and I forgot what it was. Yeah, well, I, I think I think I kind of can pick up on it basically where you were. Is there weren't a lot of moves before that that deadline. Um, Basically, the we continue to see that um, there's a there are a lot of former players in uh, there are a lot of former players who move into hockey and things like that. But maybe Steve Eiserman like is still like not far enough removed from his playing days that like he still cares about having action done right away. Maybe it's something along the lines of that. But Steve Eiserman seems to be the only GM that's willing to one of the only GMs that's willing to buck a trend and basically. I'm not going to sit on my hands and, and get things done. So you've, you notice Iserman is has done a really good job, whether it comes down to signing Stamkos last summer. Um, he was going to pro- – he's going to have a really tough time signing Drew in and with the cap space there, and he got a very good ex- uh, uh, exempt defenseman. While the rest of the league kind of – everyone kind everyone kind of – took the easy option there where they were going to try and operate under the veil of secrecy for three days and try and do things with and try and make things work with Vegas. Um, and for some teams, it was the right answer. I mean, for some teams, if, if you just had, if you just have, like for, for the Stars, the Stars didn't have to make a move before expansion. Um, the Stars, if anything, if they can make a side deal that says, you know what, hey, we want to keep Dan Hughes for next year, here's a fourth or third round pick, Fine, that's that's something they can do with Vegas now. But like a team like Minnesota, um, a team the Stars were did talk to about because Jonas Brodeen was on the market. Um, the fact they didn't make a move, and now they're they're either going to lose a very good defenseman in Matt Dumba or Marco Scandella, or they're going to lose quite an asset because I mean George McPhee basically has sent out. Has there ever been a more passive aggressive press release in NHL history where basically I, I love it because it sounds like a mob shakedown. It's like I think the other one I saw um I don't remember who sent this one out but it's I wonder if these if every other GM is going to find out that holy crap we shouldn't have waited because now like if you look at Minnesota's perspective they're either going to lose Scandella or Matt Dumba which would be a pretty significant loss to their team next year and in the future because they're both pretty young guys. 
I don't know Scandella's age off the top of my head, but Dumba's only 22. So I think Scandell is 26. He might be 26 or 25. That, I might be off sounds, here, but That sounds about right. Yeah. But, I mean, McPhee he straight up came out and said, we're going to talk to every other team before we make – we're going to talk to a team before we make, we take a player from them. We're going to give them an option. And, God, he has – I like, the amount of power he has right now, I can't even fathom because you could go so many ways with it. Like, you could let – you could, like, say – I've, I've seen a lot of stuff on – Twitter today and yesterday that other people came up with and I don't remember where I saw it so I'm like pirating other people's ideas and I can't give them credit because I don't remember where I saw them but another one I saw too was how diabolical would it be to call you know say the Los Angeles Kings and say hey we're thinking about taking player Y what will you give us to not take player Y when in reality they were going to take player X the entire well, that's, time that's anyway. me you're actually you're actually re- repeating my tweet right back to me right now oh well <laughs> shit there we go I Sean said it first so mm-hmm. but yet like that's so diabolical and I just I love the thought of that just I'm I'm really interested in seeing how many draft picks they end up these next two three years just because of this process so and the, it's like the 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 best part about this whole expansion draft process was. It was crafted to make Vegas a team that right out of the bat wasn't awful. And they honestly could end up being pretty awful next year, but they could end up drafting the, on, on the upwards of 30 guys in the next two drafts just from, and while still ending up with pretty good players, a couple of pretty good players in the process. No, they so they, they are really built. I mean, and I love, I love the, I'm surprised I hadn't thought of, I'm, I'm surprised, like Vegas is such a town built on mob ties already. So it, it, it works so perfectly in my mind now with just like a mob shakedown. That's, that's great. Like if, cause McPhee's in a spot right now where I don't know GM. And this is another thing that was pointed out t- today to me that I hadn't thought about. Not only is he have this year. Does he have a chance to talk to all 30 teams and say, hey, I want this heat where he could call the stars and the player X versus player Y thing that I, that I brought up yesterday. He could call the stars and say, hey, you know what? We really want Jamie Alexiak. What are you going to give us not to take Jamie Alexiak? And he could get a pick for Jamie Alexiak when he really wanted Dan Hamhuis the whole time. Like he could yeah. do things. He could he could make moves like that. On top of that, and this is something to think about moving forward. Never before in the history of the NHL has one GM basically been given permission by the league to get every other team's master plan for the next three years. Yeah, pretty much. So like George McPhee... It's like borderline extortion. It's Yeah, it's it's George McPhee now for the next three years or so, basically, he is going to... And, and if a team changes GMs, it could change. But basically, for the next three years, each of the next three trade deadlines, George McPhee is going to be able to go through his notebook and be like, oh, well... I know this is how Washington values this guy, or I know how Nashville values this guy. For the next three years, three years or so, maybe even longer, depending on the team and everything like that, he's got the book on how that team's going to be run, and no one's ever been given that type of power in the league, self-granted by the league itself. Yeah, that I'd never thought of it from that perspective, too. That's That's really crazy to think about, and that's just another advantage that Vegas is going to have going forward as they try to build this team for the future. Like they're going to be very good. Like I think in, in, in three or four years, they're going to be a contender. I think that's fair to say. I think they could be yeah. a, a contender in three or four years. I don't think I, I just, I don't see them being, I see them being an average to, if, if they're, I, if, if they're good this year, great. Good for them. That's, that's something. Well, it's, especially if you look at the other teams in the West, there's no truly dominant. There was no truly dominant team in the Western conference this past year and you look at some of the other teams like LA's in a tough spot with their cap you you know San Jose has a lot of their big horses who are who might not even be on the team next year but who are getting up there in age even if they do resign guys like Marlo and Thornton you know Couture's starting to get into his late 20s Brent Burns is obviously into his 30s now as Chicago's in a tough spot and there's just it it's not when I say it's wide open I don't mean that like hey you know this year they might suck but the year after that watch out for Vegas but I don't think it's feasible to say by 2020 that Vegas will be a playoff team, especially in like, like Anaheim too. That's just kind of weird. That was the team that I was thinking about at first, and then I forgot about them. Like their three best players at on at forward are all in their mid 30s with albatross contracts, mm-hmm. so they're in a perfect position right now to, I mean, take on a bad contract. Like if you like, you take on like you look at a guy like 
we'll use Kari Lettinen, for example, even though I think it'd be, it'd be Niemi, the guy that they, uh, Dallas tries to get rid of, is you're not going to be approaching the cap ceiling this year anyway. What's the harm in taking on a $6 million cap hit if it gets you a high second-round pick or that late first-round pick to just have it on the books? It gives you another asset for the future. I wouldn't, I mean, when they say take an albatross contracts, I don't think they're going to take, you know, Marion Hosa or Dustin Brown off where it's going to hamper them long-term. They're in a position where they can take a bad contract for the next two, one to two to three years, and it's not going to affect them at all. And it's just going to continue to help going with that going forward. I really kind of deviated from my main point there, but... It's fine. You get what I mean. No, it's fine. I mean, they have they are not going to on that contract point. They're going to help short-term problems. Vegas Vegas I think Vegas can look at itself for the first 2-3 years maybe as they can take short-term bad contracts and help people out. But after that, they're not taking they're not taking those bad contracts that have been signed for th- four, 4 years plus. Um and I wouldn't even do and McPhee's not like I wouldn't even do it in the short term unless you're complete and you're more than making it worth my while. Like if I'm McPhee and Dallas comes to me and says, Hey, do you want to take Antini and me off our hands for us? I'm not gonna be like, Yeah, give me a fourth round pick. I'm gonna be like, Yeah, give me twenty nine overall. And I'm not backing down from that. Because it, what do I care? I got thirty other teams who are trying to get me to take bad contracts off of their hands. Agreed, he has so much power. It's and he's already got and let me pull up the list here from what uh, reported uh side deals are so far um and none of these side deals are final but these are being reported by uh, frank saravelli from tsn and uh he's pretty well connected um so consider there's some things that he already has um so it's believed that vegas already has consideration deals arranged with the ducks to not take sammy vatanen and josh manson i don't know what that is but apparently there's there's a deal to not take vatanen and josh manson um now, if I was... The Ducks don't have a first-round pick this year. It's, that's what the Stars have from the Patrick Eves deal. If I was George McPhee and I w- and, and uh, you reached out to me and said, hey, please don't take Sammy Vaughton and Josh Manson, I want your first-round pick the next two years. That's just... Yeah. That's, yeah. So You're I, giving me what I could get for either of those guys on an open market. And so I would... I don't know exactly what it is because, once again, this is all under wraps to Wednesday night, but... If you came to me and said, "Hey, I, I want to protect Sammy Vaughn and Josh Manson," I'm and I'm I'm McPhee saying, "You know what? I need I need your first round picks the next two years." But so the Ducks, the Ducks draft may be the D- Ducks future entry drafts might be just taking a massive hit in this expansion draft. Uh, it's, it's very possible. Uh, there's also Columbus. Apparently, there's a deal with Columbus to lay off of Jonas Corposalo, Josh Anderson, and Jack Johnson. The, the Blue Jackets, I believe, of the 24th overall pick in this draft, and Aaron Port's line has reported that the 24th overall pick is probably going to Vegas. I don't know if the 24th overall pick gets me to lay off three players. There might be a second or third round or a future other pick that has. I saw, I saw first-round pick plus a prospect that wasn't Pierre-Luc Dupois or Sonny Milano. Okay. So anyone else in Columbus's prospect, well, I guess, is theoretically potentially a part of that, too. Yeah. There's that one, and then there's the Islanders. Who the Islanders? We haven't even talked about other teams' expansion routes yet. But the Islanders protected five defenders um, this in this draft, and they and one of them wasn't Calvin DeHaan. Yeah, that's basically the Islanders. And so the Islanders basically set it up to for them to take Calvin DeHaan to lose Calvin DeHaan because apparently, according to uh, Frank Cervelli, there's a deal the Islanders have and. Pe- Reportedly, it's a first-round pick to lay off Josh Bailey and Casey Zizekas. So that's just Josh Bailey and Casey Zizekas, and not Brock Nelson. And who the hell was the other guy that forward that they left exposed? I don't remember off the top of my head. It, the other one for the Islanders of note, um, Casey Zizekas, uh, Josh Bailey. Or did I already oh, say was it? Was it Bailey? Uh, Strom, Ryan Strom. That's who I was thinking of. And, I mean, according to this article from Frank Cervelli, it's just just Josh Bailey and Casey Zekas to lay off of. So that's so we're looking at right there where say at the minimum right now he's probably got three first round picks added already. Two this year probably, and the Ducks at some point in the future. He's already added three first round picks, and that's before he's and that's before he makes his phone calls for his shakedowns on every on the other twenty eight teams in the league. Um, and then there's also apparently the deal that has been reported, um, and I'm not really sure what the, the deal is, but apparently uh, 
there's some deal in place for Chicago to take Marcus Kruger and that way, and that's the reason that Trevor Van's Reemsdyke is exposed or, or something like that with Chicago. Well, they weren't going to be able to protect Van Reemsdyke anyway. That's that, that's what that one confuses me, and that that one confuses think, me. So I think the way that the way I interpret it as that if they because they had to expose Van Reemsdyke either way mm-hmm. because of Seabrook, Yalmerson, and Keith all having no moves. I think the the language of that deal was don't take Trevor Van Riemsdyk with our expansion pick, but if take Marcus Kruger, but we will also give you Trevor Van Riemsdyk. So they're basically just, they're conceding that they're going to lose Trevor Van Riemsdyk, but they want to get rid of Kruger's $3 million cap hit too. Okay. That makes sense. So it's Vegas is in, in a real nice spot here. And now let's talk about the, the list that came out. So we, we talked about some of those, we know some of those clauses already. When you look through these lists, Ryan, any anyone else stick out to you or jump out to you? Um, yeah, I was 150% shocked that the Red Wings protected Jimmy Howard over Peter Morazic. That one I do not understand at all. And I'm, I've gotten to the point that there are so many good goalies exposed with the forwards the Penguins left unprotected. I wouldn't be completely surprised if he passed on Marc-Andre Fleury to take someone like Carl Hagelin. Or, and then, or Brian and you're Rust. Still gonna, yeah, or Brian Rust. And you're still going to end up with a pretty good... I mean, comparing Marc-Andre Fleury to Peter Mrazek is stupid because Marc-Andre Fleury is better than Peter Mrazek. But he's also, what, seven years older, has a higher cap hit. And Peter Mrazek is... If you believe that last year was a fluke and he's a guy who could be a goaltender of the future, he's a guy that you have as one of your co-number ones next year with someone like Calvin Pickard, for example, that kind of leads you through this transition period to the point of being a contender. And I, I feel like you could probably, I mean, and I, but even with like Calgary training for Mike Smith, what's the goalie market now? Like, I feel like the picking Mark Andre Fleury, you get more value for flipping him, but what could you, who could you even flip him to now? Who still need, I don't even know who still needs a goalie. Yeah, there, maybe the Islanders, but uh. there's there's a bunch of teams that can use an upgraded goal. There's like there's a bunch of teams that Flurry would be an upgrade, and it would turn their current guy. They may have a guy who could be a one A right now. You could turn into a one B, and that's kind of the flipping market for Flurry. Um, the there's going to be a Vegas is going to be good in goal either way. Like I I, I played around with the expansion tool and I took seven goalies, <laughs> like right. and I took seven goalies and I took four of I took seven goalies. And my thought process in my head, and I took and I took Flurry, and I took four of them. I took uh, Flurry, Morazic, um, Flurry, Morazic. I also took uh, Malcolm Subban from the from the Bruins, and uh, uh, Linus uh, Linus Olmark or Linus Olmark from Buffalo. And I said, those are the four I want to keep. I want Flurry and Morazic to be my tandem for the next two years, and I want Subban and Olmark to be my AHL guys who push each other and, and be that. And then I also said, you know what? And I and I could be de- debated either way, but I was just basically looking at goalie assets and flipping them. I also picked Calvin Pickard. I picked Antti Ranta. And uh, who was the th- I also picked one other goalie as well who I looked at as, you know what? This would be an upgrade for somebody else in goal for somebody else in goal, whether it's going to be their starter or maybe in a Calvin Pickard case, Calvin Pickard becomes a very good one B for a team. And same, same with Ronta too. Yes, exactly. And so, uh, there's a lot of goalie options there. Um, and the other staying on Detroit real quick, I'm Ken Holland has said he's not going to make side deals at all. Like, like he is, I don't really know how Ken Holland is still the GM of the Red Wings because I don't know that there's a executive currently in the NHL who capitalized on a dynastic run more than Ken Holland has. But Ken Holland, I really don't think, has made a good move as Red Wings general manager in like seven years. Has he made a good move in the cap era? I don't know that he has. Like, look at, think about some of the, the quote unquote big money signings that they've made the last couple of years. Mike Green wasn't didn't pan out very well. Steven Weiss was supposed to be the guy who you put behind Henrik Zetterberg and then, you know, he eventually transitions into that one center when Zetterberg starts to lose it. He they bought him out after one year. The contract the long contracts that he gave out to Zetterberg to 
what the frick is his name? Johan Franzen to Nick Cronwall that just look god-awful now. Johan, I mean, Johan Franzen's never going to play in the NHL again because of injuries. They left Cronwall exposed in the draft, but probably praying that Vegas takes him because his physical style is just, it's, so, it's way too difficult to maintain. And there's not a lot of longevity with that type of style but wh- in the NHL. Wh- why would you? Why would you leave any? Why do you think Vegas would take anyone else when you let Peter Morazic exposed? Like that's the other. Right. Well, and the one the one theory I saw with that was that they left Morazic exposed to sort of gives Vegas someone else to take other than a guy like Xavier Ouellette, who I'm not even apparently they're high on. I don't know that I've ever really seen. He's a anyone be high on him, but. I've seen him play before. I haven't seen. I've seen him play before. He's not a bad player. It's just he's a. I, but I guess that's how bad, how hard up they are for defensemen. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I don't analyze Ken Holland moves enough to have them stored in my memory bank. But I honestly couldn't tell you the last time that the Red Wings made a move, either signing or trade, where I I mean they they did sign uh they signed Robbie Russo when he came out of Notre Dame and didn't sign with whoever drafted him. Mm-hmm. He's a, and Russo, I thought that was a really good sign. Russo's a good player. He's a, he was out of Notre Dame. Yeah, he's, he's a good player. But other than that, like, I mean, if we're not... And I mean, college undrafted free agents, it's a... Or, well, college yeah. free agents is a very low-risk, potentially high-reward move because if they don't pan out, then they're taking up space in your AHL roster. Mm-hmm. So, I... In terms of... NHL moves, I couldn't tell you the last time he made a good move. What do you think of what, about what Boston did? In terms of leaving Matt Bolesky exposed yeah. or something else? As opposed to Matt, Matt Bolesky um, and uh, let's see, who else did they leave exposed? There's also so left Jimmy Hayes exposed. What do you think of them? I know some people. I know. I know there was some uh, vitriol towards what they did. So I'm curious what your thoughts on what they did was. I'm not really sure that I would have protected either Bolesky or Jimmy Hayes because Jimmy Hayes wasn't that good last year. Mm-hmm. And if Vegas wants to take Matt Bolesky, I feel like that would be doing Boston a huge favor because they're not in a fantastic cap position, and Matt Bolesky has scored like 25 goals or something like that the last two years. It was a stupid contract to give out at the time. And he signed until 2020. So, I mean, I don't know. I really, I don't, I mean, looking at their roster right now, I don't know who else you would have protected it forward. Maybe, like, maybe Tim Schaller. Maybe, I don't, maybe, maybe, I don't maybe. Know. And, that, and that's fair. And I just wanted to, because I, I looked at Boston the same way. Boston wasn't one that stuck out to me like it was... Uh, extremely idiotic. That's why I was just kind of picking your brain since I had seen some vitriol towards them. Now, one player in particular, and I didn't mind, and I didn't mind what they did overall with their list, but why the hell is Ryan Reeves protected in an expansion draft in 2017? I don't have an answer for you. I I saw that a couple of I saw I think I saw that two days ago that uh, Rutherford tweeted out that they were thinking of protecting him and it kind of blew my mind to be completely honest with you. I mean, unless he's that good and that important to your locker room, then that would make sense. But I don't understand protecting him in the sense that he would absolutely be the last guy if I was George McPhee that I would ever think about taking from your team. I w- I wonder if this is like. Some massive bluff that somebody that somebody uh, somebody pulled off. Maybe McPhee, in passing at some point, told told uh, made it known to some Blues official that you know what? Hey, I'm going to take Ryan Reeves, and it was just like some inkling there that they that they decided to protect him because, or I mean, because and it's Ryan Reeves is thirty. He's a right. He's he's a winger who doesn't really do much, and you left Yuri Laterra. David Perron, Dimitri Yaskin. Uh, let's see, who else would I have protected over him? Neil Yakupov. The only thing that I could think of is that they're trying to goad Vegas into taking Matera or Perron's cap hit off their hands. That's literally the only thing that I could think of. But even then, I don't know why you don't protect Yashkin because he's 24 years old and he's making a million dollars. Yeah. 
and you would have him, he's an RFA after his contract's up after next year, so it's not like you'd potentially risk losing him or anything like that. So I, I have, that was puzzling to me. I, I have no idea. It was, yeah, that was, that was wild. Um, speaking, speaking of wild and transitioning here, haha, Minnesota, Boom. Minnesota, uh, we touched on them earlier and how they weren't able to make a trade before the deadline and the stars were in the, stars were one of the teams that had talked to them about Yudas Brodine. Um, what, uh, there's two ways to look at this, and, and and I was kind of trying. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking about this today when I was driving back back home today. The Wild don't have a first round pick, so it's, there's not a this year. They they could offer a future one to protect uh, Dumba and Scandella. Right. I was also I was so I was thinking about, and this goes back to my player X and player Y. Don't aren't the Wild in a better spot? And it's gonna suck. They're gonna lose. Isn't aren't they in a better spot if they accept they're going to lose either Dumba or Scandella? Lose accept they're going to lose one and lose them for nothing, as opposed to say, you know what? Hey, we want to pay to keep one and then lose the other one either way. Can like I let, let me let me let, let me let me walk you through this. Like so, if there's no side deals made either way, they're going to probably lose Marco Scandella or Matt Dumba. I mean, I guess. I, th- I guess. I think you can safely say they're one hundred percent going to lose one of them. Yes. So, why would you make a deal with? Is there part of you, and do you consider? Do you consider cutting your losses and saying, accepting we're going to lose one, we're going to lose one? Okay, we're accepting we're going to lose one. Do you cut your losses and just let it happen, or do you give them, say, a future first round pick to keep Matt Dumba? Only then to have them take Marco Scandella. Well, what I don't understand is, is I mean, they were in a tough spot because they were never going to be able to go four deep mm-hmm. with, because you got Parisi, Koivu, and Palmaville that they were going to have to protect regardless. So then either way, you're going to lose. You're going to have to leave exposed two of, wait, hold on. You're only, okay, let me, re- let me phrase this in a different way. You're only going to be able to, if you did the four and, or if you did the eight and one, then you'd only be able to protect one of, Charlie Coyle, Jason Zucker, Nino Niederreiter, and Michael Granlin. Or so then or that's could, then that's a lot of guys you got to worry about trying to protect. Them. Or you could or you could have gone, but I mean the Islanders showed you can protect five defensemen. They could have protected five D, and they could have only and they could have had all three of them exposed. Right, exactly. <laughs> but what I don't understand, I, I get the, I completely understand the cutting your losses point because they're because and it, and it's something that we saw with the Stars in the mid-2000s when they had, like, one first-round pick over a four-year period because they traded them all away at the deadline for crappy over-the-hill players to try to make Stanley Cup runs, that going two years in a row without a first-round pick is a recipe for killing yourself in, like, five or six years. So I think... I, I don't understand why they didn't trade one of those guys because there was clearly a market for them. And, I mean, I get that... It goes back to overvaluing your own. Everyone overvalues their own assets, and I get that. And I get that you don't want to sell a former first-round pick who's still in his early twenties for below market value. But isn't it better to do that than to theoretically lose him for nothing? And I get that Minnesota was in more of a unique position where they would have had to do that to two guys. But say you know you trade Jonas Brodin and you get a first round pick this year plus a prospect and maybe a third round pick then you're in a situation where you can protect Matt Dumba and then you go to Vegas and you say hey we'll give you a prospect or a second or third round pick to not take Scandella and then you're I mean you're still worse off for next year but you're not as screwed long term mm-hmm. and then you kind of cover your bases a little bit better well, if I'm Chuck Fletcher I see I I don't know what I would do because I would not want to lose Matt Dumba for nothing, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I would want to mortgage my future for keeping one or both of those guys protected as well. Yeah, well, and, and, and obviously Ryan Suter's not going anywhere, obviously, and Spurgeon plays with Suter, so <laughs> obviously that wasn't going anywhere. It's he he was in a really tough spot, and, and when I talk about cutting your losses, I'm talking about now after you've reached the point where your list is in. I was before that they sh- they should have they right, they, they right. should have made a trade before the list was in. That's we that's what we're agreeing upon right here. So it's uh, 
Oh, they, they the Wild were in a tough spot. Um, any teams that you looked at, Ryan, that came out and obviously we focused, we paid more attention to what the Stars did. Well, we were happy with what the Stars did, but any other teams that what they did, you were like, that's spot on. They, I mean, because I mean, some of the teams that have nothing to give up have nothing to give up because they suck. <laughs> that's 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 the Accurate. that's the moral of the story. But any teams that don't suck, basically, that you saw that you liked what they did or basically set themselves up well to, uh, to set themselves up to come up, come out well of this and not really lose much. I don't know that there was really any team that I looked at as, man, you did, you did a great job. I mean, I think one that would come to mind as a team that doesn't suck, who didn't totally screw the pooch, so to speak, would be Edmonton. I, it feels weird to say Edmonton doesn't suck anymore but after a 100 point season last year i think we can safely say that but that goes into a situation i their exposed list came up across my feed today and i'm looking at it and i'm like i really wouldn't take any of these guys and put them on the stars so i mean they i think they did good to not protect benoit pouliot and maybe hope that his four million dollar cap hit comes off the books but i mean it was more so i didn't really ever look at a situation where i was kind of like uh, yeah, because, you know, you don't really notice those situations. I think there was a couple where I was kind of scratching my head, I think. Well, I think New Jersey did well to get Mirko Mueller. I, that was a move I did. That like, was a good move. That was a good of, move, yeah. Kind of buying buying low on a former first-round pick who has, I mean, he's kind of a guy like Alexiak who has size and upside. And, and New Jersey's a team. And he's only 22. And New Jersey's a team that really... They don't have much, just just frankly. I mean, if you take any if you no. take any of the guys off their protected list, I just there's no one on there. There's no one really available that um, there's no one really available that you'd be that you would lose sleep over losing. I mean, I know like, and even the guys who if even the guys you would lose, they're kind of they're replaceable easily. Um, not, uh, I mean, I thought uh, I thought L.A. was smart with protecting Derek Forbort. Um, it was. Uh, LA basically kind of set themselves up where they they're the big Gabrick, the big Dustin Brown contractor out there. I don't think Vegas is going to take them, but they they left them out there. And I thought LA actually did went a smart route in protecting Derek Forbert and and kind of leave and floating Brady McNabb out there. I mean, technically Rob Scuderi is available, which I forgot he had even played hockey for a while. Um, but I, I thought LA did a good job. Um, a team that uh, didn't do a good job, and I, we just I just not that they didn't do a good job. I just don't understand why they did what they did as Florida. I'm glad you went there because when you said who did a good job, all I could think about was why did Florida not protect Jonathan Marchesso? And why did they not trade him if they weren't going to protect him? Because if, I, if I'm George McPhee, I, even if I don't plan on keeping him, I'm taking him, and then I'm holding an open bidding war for his services because he's a guy who is 26 years old, coming off of a 30-goal season where I think it, it's fair that we've talked about this before, that guy's coming off of career years that's completely outside the norm. It's fair to question whether or not that's the norm or whether or not that was an anomaly. But it's a guy who's 26 years old and getting meaningful minutes for the first time. I'd lean more towards saying, hey, maybe this is the start of something. He's on an affordable contract for next year. He's the perfect, he'd be, God, like, he'd be a perfect guy on a team like Chicago or Anaheim where they have horrible cap issues but could always use another top six scorer. And I, I just, I don't know why Florida left him. I don't know why they felt like they needed to protect Mark Pizik over protecting a couple extra forwards. That was a little baffling to me. There was one more team that I was. Hold on, I'm looking through the Tampa. What that that, that was a point I was going to make when we were talking about Steve Eiserman is, I, he's so out in front of things and he does I feel like such a great job, kind of being a move ahead of other people, and he gets rid of Duran so he doesn't have to protect him and then frees up potential cap base and blah 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 and then he goes out and protects Braden Coburn. Yeah, that one. Over that one. That, that. Jake and Slater Coco. So I'd like, what? Well, I mean, because you're going to, I mean, you have Slater Coco and Andre Suster who both left available there. Yeah, and well, 
if I'm if I'm George McPhee, I'm taking Jake Dotson because he's a guy that I just I'm playing with Nate Schmidt on my first pair next year, and those are the two guys that I'm building my defense around. And never mind their potential, blah, whatever. Uh, Nate Schmidt looked good in the playoffs, and I don't know if he's. I mean, I feel safe in saying he's a guy who could be a top four defenseman in the future, but that's a pretty good first pair for an expansion team to kind of build around and see what they're able to do. Nate and Nate Schmidt, kind of, kind of uh, moving forward in the conversation here and connecting us back to Dallas. Nate Schmidt, especially if Josh Manson and Vatanen are protected and everything like that, Nate Schmidt is the guy who, in a dream world, if I'm the stars, Nate Schmidt's the guy I would try and flip. I would try and flip from a team that was exposed because he's left-handed. What do we we talk about? He would, I think, he would fit really well in on this team. But I also don't see why Vegas would part with him for other than a king's ransom than than what it would cost. Right, and it's not like Nate Schmidt was this guy that just was... I honestly hadn't heard about him until the playoffs this year, and he was kind of a guy who ended up taking a backseat to... um, Well, he was a guy who they kind of ended up just taking a backseat to everyone once they acquired Shattenkirk, but he acquitted himself very well in the playoffs with Carl Alsner being out. He's turns 26 years old in July... I, he had a good regular season. He had a good playoffs, and he's not really a guy that I think is going to be. You're looking at a guy like you know, a 50 point big defenseman, but he had a really good college career. He's not. I mean, he hasn't put up explosive numbers in the in his in terms of points throughout his career, but he had a good year last year. He had another good year this year, and he's a 26 years old. That's a guy that you can not build around, but he's a. That's if we're talking about. You've been kind of beating the Brendan Smith drum for the last couple of mm-hmm. weeks in terms of a, a guy that you can, I think calling him a depth defenseman is, it's not what you're intending to. And I think it kind of gives off the impression of, oh, he's a guy that we can put into the lineup every now and then, but he's a perfect, I think Nate Schmidt would be a perfect guy that kind of fills out and completes your lineup. And it gives you, and it, it doesn't put you in a position where you have this revolving door between your seventh and in Dallas's case this last year eighth defenseman where guys are consistently shuffling in and out of the lineup it gives you a defined six guys that you can sit there and look at and say as long as these guys are healthy and playing well these are the six guys we're rolling yeah and I and I it's not I I think even after the playoffs I think it's kind of crazy to think about getting having to trade a second round pick or whatever for Nate Schmidt. But I mean, I, if I'm Vegas, I'm keeping him unless someone gives just completely blows me away. Oh yeah. And I'm also putting him on the, uh, I'm also putting him on the him and Dumba. Um, and, uh, and, uh, uh not Schuster, uh, Dachin. That's, that's a good, that's a good young group of defensemen to build around. Um, you got three guys under 26. Yeah. It's kind of, and, Fill out your team, and, right and you there. know what? For two years, they work with Captain Mark Mathot, and yeah, you got your top two pairs yeah, right there. And and, and Mathot's thirty-one. You keep him around for two years, and maybe you flip him or whatever. But because I, I with all, when I play with it, every defenseman I end up taking is under twenty-six. So I like having the one veteran guy there who kind of be that good impact in Mathot. But you're gonna have a, some good D. You're gonna have a good goalie, and if you're smart. You're going to have some, if you're smart, and I think this is something that I want people to think about when they, when they go into, when they go into the expansion draft on Wednesday, and there's some names, there are some names going to be announced where the general populace, and you were going to see the Twitter reactions, where you're going to see a lot of who the hell is that? Because there are a lot of forwards, on defensemen, there's a lot of guys, I think they can get a pretty good named, pretty well-known defense, but Remember, Vegas is drafting 30 guys. They have to build a team, and they're they're drafting assets and building a team secondary. We've already made that clear. They're looking to build the team and build as many assets as possible. But they also have to—they're drafting 30 guys. Even if they flip five of them, that's still 25 guys. You only get 23 guys on the roster. They need players—they also need to figure out players who are going to be those young guys that can—are still waiver-exempt and can go to the AHL and play like that. So you're going to see— a bunch of guys. You're going to see three or four names on Wednesday. I would, I'm, I would expect where people are going to be. Who the hell is that? And it's going to be guys who people who have AHL season tickets are going to know who they are because they're the guys who have been they've scouted and 
McPhee and his staff have labeled these guys as, you know what, these guys are the next guys who are going to be the breakthrough guys, and we want to get them now. And maybe they've only played a dozen NHL games or so, but you're going to get a bunch of guys drafted like that who give Vegas the flexibility to be waiver-exempt and for them to be able to be ready to step in, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whatever it is, and just to get ready for that. Because, like, for example, I look at L.A. We talked about L.A., and... Um, like I take a look at LA and I'm not sh- and no I don't want a single NHL player from LA. I look at their roster. I don't want a single player on that team for my French fantasy franchise. But you know what? I've seen Michael Mersh play a lot in the minors and I've seen him dominate games. He's a point per game player in the AHL. He's been a, in a low bottom six role every time he's been with LA. He's big, he's physical. He's the guy I would take take from LA. If I say Michael Mersh, most of the people most of the general populace isn't going to know who Michael Mersh is. But that's the guy I would take from LA because He's waiver exempt. He'd be a good fit next year. Maybe he'd be a good fit whether I play him next year, whether I play him in, in Chicago, in the Chicago Wolves in the AHL. I also take a look at, I mean, similar staying on the West Coast. I look at San Jose. I could take a 36-year-old Joel Ward, sure. I could take Mikel Bakker at $4 million, maybe. But there's also there's also a Barkley Goudreau, who's 24 years old and a right winger, who's no, not many people are going to know that name. There's a bunch of guys like that that I think are going to, not a bunch, maybe a handful, they're going to be selected, and people are going to say, who the hell is this person? But they're going to be, people are going to know who they are in two, three years from now. Well, and that goes to kind of bring this back full circle on the one of the points we started the podcast with. That's exactly why Dallas is protecting Val. Because if Dallas, not completely ignoring his pedigree, as a former top 10 pick, even, I mean, even if he was a former first round pick or whatever, you're taking a guy then that you don't have to worry about for next year. So you don't have to worry, you don't have to worry about getting him through waivers. You don't have to worry about, you know, that's one position or one spot that you don't have to worry about trying to trim as you try to get your roster down to 23. It's a guy you just kind of stow away and you say, all right, we'll deal with this next year. And that's, he, we said it, back in December, that he'd be the perfect guy from Dallas to take. And, yeah, for that exact reason. Let's let's end today's expansion exercise with a uh, let's do a podcast with an expansion exercise here. You're the Stars, and you're, you're gut right now, Ryan. Which player of the Stars? Because even if you make a side deal, even if you make a side deal, you have to lose a player. There is nothing, there is no, there is nothing in place where... Uh, and this is a jargon that's been incorrectly thrown around because, like, even the Vegas website has written that, uh, like, oh well, that people want to keep their roster, their roster intact, keep their roster, yeah, keep their roster intact, and Vegas will come to you, and if you want to keep your roster intact, they'll let you do that. Well, if Vegas does that, and if Vegas is letting you keep your roster intact, quote unquote, they still have to take a player. That, that means they might be taking a guy who's an expiring UFA, or they might take a minor leaguer, or something like that. But they still have to take a player. So no matter what, a player from the Dallas Stars franchise will be heading to the Vegas Golden Knights. So to end this podcast and this exercise today, your gut right now, which player are you expecting to see in Vegas, in, 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 taken by Vegas? on Wednesday night right now, which will be the seventh player announced since they're doing it in reverse order from the standings. I think I've got it narrowed down to two guys because the more I think about it, the less I think Jamie Alexiak will be taken just because of the defenseman that George McPhee will have available to him. And he could still be taken because he'd be a good guy to have on your third pair that you just, so then that's something you don't have to worry about. I've got it narrowed down to Cody Eakin, which I feel like most people do, or Dan Hughes. Dan Hanhus from the point of, and this was the point that we made last week, this is a guy you keep on your second or third pair, and then you flip him at the trade deadline when someone is inevitably looking for a defenseman to shore out their defense who's on an expiring contract to help him make a cup run, and you get a second-round pick for him or whatever. Um, Honestly, I'm leaning more sore towards Cody Eakin because the overall crop of forwards that have been exposed aren't really good, and... I think it's going to be a struggle for, and I get that Cody Eakin scored three times in 70 or 60 or 50 games, whatever it was last year, and that he was playing with Jamie Benn a lot of the time, and if you can't score with Jamie Benn, how the hell are you going to score on your own? But he, he's a guy that right, just based on the guy, and this is completely ignoring any other deals that are made, that based on the information we have available right now, 
he's a guy that'd be either center number one or number two in Vegas next year. George McPhee knows him well. He's a guy who's 26 years old still. So, I mean, you're, it's, it's very, especially coming off of the injury he was coming off of. He got a late start to the year. He didn't have a training camp. It's, it's fair to say that last year was a fluke. And who knows, it may turn out that it wasn't, and he just really forgot how to play hockey, and he's not good anymore. But I feel like George McPhee would wager on... I mean, he knows... I, I'm pretty sure I just said that he drafted him, so he knows him well. And I bet on George McPhee thinking that wasn't a fluke, we're going to get him, and he's a guy we're going to plug into the top six of our lineup. And he's going to be a guy that becomes an offensive contributor for us next year and then the next couple of years after that. And his contract is, uh, and his contract helps him because I think Vegas has to get to fifty-five million selected in this draft. I think, um, yes. And so he's yes. Uh, for guys of his level, um, center. You he helps Vegas get to that, uh, making a legal draft or draftable uh, roster. They take an expansion, um, right? And it's not like I mean, his contract is bad if he's going to be a number four center in Dallas. It's not a bad contract if you think that he can be a guy who gives you forty-five, fifty points in the top six of your lineup And if he is year. that, great, but he's not going to be that in Dallas next year, and that's something that, like, even if, if he gives, no matter what happens in Dallas next year, if, if Cody Eakin is a top two center in Dallas next year, um, something's gone wrong because either, either Tyler, if, if to, the scenario for Cody Eakin would be a top two center in Dallas next year, um, would have to be, well, obviously he wouldn't have to be taking an expansion draft, but if he's still here, for him to be a top two center, um, Tyler, the Tyler Sagan experiment has to go on all sorts of wrong ways, which people don't want to see because Ken Hitchcock or his arm just yeah fell off. yeah. So Tyler Sagan's either extremely hurt or the experiment of turning him to a number one center, which Ken Hitchcock believes he can be, completely fell off the rails. Radic Fox uh, has a terrible year, and Jason Spezza has and Jason Spezza they moved Jason Spezza back to center and that fails massively. So. Those are the scenarios for Cody Eakin to be in that role in Dallas. And so he shouldn't be paid for that role in Dallas. But it's not a bad contract for him to be in Vegas. And and I'm not and and you know what? For Vegas, he could have a he could have a good showing. He could because somebody has to score points. That that's that's the other thing too. It's it's one of those things where in in a he could have, he could score forty points next year with Vegas, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh because even on a bad team, somebody has to score the goals. It's going to happen. It's 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 hockey. There's going to be scenarios where teams going to score goals. Um, so I've waffled in my head whether it's Hamhus or or Eakin. But as I look at the other pieces around, and as you said there, my gut says Cody Eakin is going to be in Vegas now, and that's something that I've kind of my guts finally gotten to that. And originally, I was thinking maybe I was smart and thinking that. I was going to be reading McPhee's mind, and he would take Hamhuis to flip him. But just with the other defensemen available, unless Jim Nill pulls off a, I, I unless Jim Nill pulls off a trade, and this would be kind of wild just to think of, because I don't know when they're going to, I don't know when they're going to announce the uh, trades, announce the trades on Wednesday, because like they're they're announcing the award show, and then like every I think after every two awards they're announcing five picks or something like that. It's, it's some sort of setup like that on Wednesday night. And what if, just just hypothetical, just, just humor me here, what if for the seventh pick of the draft, all of a sudden they say the Vegas Golden Knights take Antti Niemi? Just, just, out of, just out of nowhere, and, that, and that's the pick. When are they going to announce the trade the Stars made to get that done? Are they going to do it right away, or are we going to be sitting around for like two and a half hours waiting for like a list of trades of what of, of how, how things worked out? That's a good question. I kind of thought about that too, because especially if they're not just like, if they're kind of staggering the picks like that, especially if you get into that murky situation where, you know, what I saw was, you know, like, Arizona, for example, really wants Nate Schmidt, but obviously they can't work out a trade for Nate Schmidt, so they talk to Vegas to say, hey, take Nate Schmidt, and then we'll give you this for Nate Schmidt. And it's like, I don't really know how this is going to, especially if you get those convoluted three-way flips like Mm -hmm. that, I really don't know how that's going to work out. Because if it's just a a simple one-for-one type thing, it would make sense to do it in the block where, you know, Dallas then would, if they're doing every five, would be in the second block if you say... with the teams in this block, so and so, this team made this trade, and this team made this trade, and whatnot. That I mean, that's the only thing that I could think of. But then, if you get one where it's like 
Dallas and Anaheim are involved in a three-way swap with Vegas, then it's like, well, what the hell are you going to do now because Anaheim doesn't pick until, or Anaheim's pick's not going to be announced until the last block. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining right now, we've talked about the mob shakedown style early in this podcast, and I've, and the, how, how the Knights have kind of handled their, and been, they've, been, they've been flaunting it, they've been flaunting, they have this mob shakedown, and they've been flaunting that they can, that they will take, they will take, for, they will take a player from you unless you give them something. I'm just imagining like the, the pre- whether, I wonder if it'll be a press conference or it'll be in a press release. I'm just imagining George McPhee after the expansion draft on Friday night, stepping up to a podium and reading. And in addition to my picks, I have the first round pick in 2018 from this team, the 2018 first round pick from this team. And just reading like his new assets, just like reading like a list of 20 additional assets he picked up, like in a press conference or like <laughs> in a press release. I don't know, man. This is all this is all new hat for me. It's it's wild. It's gonna be. Uh, I, I I just wish they would. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they just announced like. They don't have to announce all the details, but I'd be happy if they were gonna be if they were to say, you know what, hey, if they announced on Monday, by the way, the Wild and the and the Golden Knights have agreed to a trade for future considerations, just to give us something. They don't have to tell us what the right. Let us know the teams that yeah. are involved. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, with that, uh, we're going to go. I think we'll... Uh, what do you think? Do you think we'll try and record on Thursday to do a little post-expansion uh, actual NHL entry draft preview Thursday? I'm, I have a quiz on Thursday, so if we're going to do it... I guess the award show is going to be kind of late, so Wednesday wouldn't have made sense anyway. Yeah, Thursday night would be good. So, uh, you know what? We'll uh, we'll try and get something done. It might be short Thursday night. I'll be in Chicago anyway, so we'll probably try and get something quick for you guys Thursday night. Um, everyone, thank you for listening, and uh, should be a fun uh, should be a fun night on Wednesday.